everyone. Welcome back to the Spirit of Prophecy podcast. Appreciate you joining me for another episode. This will be the only episode that we will put out this week. Getting ready for a trip to New Orleans. Looking forward to that. And if you are anywhere in that area, I'm going to be preaching at Faith Baptist Church in Violet, Louisiana on that Wednesday evening for Pastor Joe Major. And really looking forward to being down there. So uh, very, very excited about that. And uh, got several families from our church heading down there. So it's going to be a good time, but I did want to get one episode in for you today. And so last week, I uh, we had an episode every day uh, responding to some videos about pre-tribulationism and just kind of uh, we addressed many of the misrepresentations uh, towards the post-trib pre-wrath crowd in there. And um, I just wanted to mention that, you know, I uh, did receive some uh, blowback from that a little bit, but at the same time, uh, that's okay. Uh, we, we don't mind. In fact, I even got rebuked, uh, by a friend of mine and that might sound negative to you, but when you're from big boy world, like I am, um, a rebuke is not a bad thing, especially if it's from a wise man or if it's something that is uh, from a friend, uh, we can handle, uh, that kind of thing. And so, uh, I don't mind being rebuked by someone who I respect or someone who cares about me. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But, uh, you know, the pastor who the videos were about, you know, he responded pretty negatively uh, towards uh, the fact that I was addressing those things. I, I don't really think that was necessary. I believe I was very fair in my handling. I had reached out beforehand and I had, um, you know, I believe I was, fair and honest in my critique. I did not attack the individual. I attacked the arguments, but in the IFB world, they're, they're not really used to uh, that kind of thing, or especially someone who responds like I do. They're used to just being attacked, but that's not how I roll. And so uh, the, and the pastor who rebuked me uh, was, had not seen the podcast. And so he was going off of the other pastor's response. But again, we were able to have a polite conversation and he suggested, and I think it was a good suggestion, even though, again, I do believe I handled myself uh, properly in those videos, but uh, I did want, I did want to do something that he suggested that rather than, you know, calling somebody out who, you know, call even called you out falsely, you know, where people can get sensitive and all that kind of thing, just make something dealing with the false accusations and, you know, do something like, you know, common accusations against post-tribbers. And I thought, you know, that that's a good idea. So uh, I'm going to do that in today's episode. We are going to address common false accusations thrown at me and people who believe like I do. And we're going to respond. We are not going to respond to any individual. Um, these are, I'm just going to give the common accusations and respond to these things. And uh, I, I think that's a fine way to do it. I could, if I wanted, I could make videos. I could show videos of people saying these things from pulpits, uh, making videos about people who have position like I do, accusing us of all kinds of these things. So these are, I'm not making these up. Okay. And don't make me get out the videos of people saying this will make everybody nervous. If I show your hero saying something false, but again, you, um, one of the things that I was accused of, not by the pastor who rebuked me, uh, but, um, you know, uh, I was, I was accused of trying to get their church members. Okay. 
I was not trying to get anyone's church members. I was trying to show you how to keep your church members because if you, if you lie and you misrepresent and you make stupid arguments towards the other side, you are going to frustrate people in your church who know the truth about these things. I don't want people to leave their pre-trib churches. I don't want your church members. I am not trying to get your church members. So uh, just understand all these things I'm going to bring up. These are things that will help you keep your church members. Because even if you are right in, in your eschatology, you do not do yourself any favors about lying about the other side. So make sure if you're going to address the other side, if you're going to comment on the other side, that you do it accurately. And if you don't, you're just going to make yourself look either ignorant or dishonest or maybe both. And that will not help your cause. So I am sharing this with you, pre-tribbers, to help you keep your church members and help you keep your dignity and your reputation. So let's be honest about these things. And there are there are areas where we have actual disagreements. That Yeah, we've got a legitimate disagreement here. But there's some areas where we don't disagree. There's some areas where we're on the same page, you know, and then some, but then there's things too that you teach that we don't teach. Nobody believes that. So you don't accomplish anything to, you're not going to debunk post-tribbers by debunking things post-tribbers don't believe. Okay. So this is all for your benefit in the pre-trib world. I'm trying to help you today. I'm trying to help you today. So I'm going to try to go through these quickly. Okay, let's see. Let's see if we can we can do these quickly and let keep this a shorter episode. Okay, for those with a shorter attention span. So one of the things that post tribbers or pre tribbers say about post tribbers is that we teach it. Jesus is a wife beater. Boy, that one gets that's annoying when people talk about how Jesus is a wife beater. Now, let me just ask you: Was Jesus beating his wife in the first century when the apostles were killed? When people were being martyred, was Jesus beating his wife? Was Jesus beating his wife during the Inquisitions? Was Jesus beating his wife throughout history, Baptist history? When you hear about all the blood that has been shed throughout church history, was that Jesus beating his wife? Is Jesus beating his wife? Uh, when Was he beating his wife in, in times when wars were taking place and people were suffering? Was Jesus beating his wife when Christians died in earthquakes and uh, when Christians died of diseases, was Jesus beating his wife when people died of COVID? When, was Jesus beating his wife when churches were being persecuted during COVID and churches were being forced to shut down and happened to, and getting fined? Was Jesus beating his bride through all those things? No, those things were all tribulations. And in the post-trib world, we believe that the six seals are the tribulation. And in Matthew 24, it says, after the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon shall not give her light. That is the sixth seal. The events after that are God's wrath. That is the doctrine of the post-trib crowd. All the things before the sun being dark and the moon turned to blood, these are not supernatural events. These are not the locusts coming out of the earth. You know, the, this is not fire and brimstone following. It's Antichrist making war with the saints. We've got wars, famines, pestilences, earthquakes. You've got the martyrs. All of these things have been happening throughout history. And I believe in a future time when it's going to escalate, but I believe that God's people 
will be here during that time. I believe we will be removed before the trumpets and the vials. I believe that is when God is pouring out his wrath. So, uh, yeah, Jesus is not a wife beater. He never has been a wife beater. But the devil, he loves to persecute God's people. He loves to persecute the bride. The devil definitely likes to beat up on God's wife. And so just understand he has been doing that and he will continue to do that until Jesus comes and removes us from this earth. So don't accuse post-tribbers of teaching Jesus a wife beater. That's ridiculous. Also, uh, we get accused of teaching people to look for the Antichrist rather than Jesus Christ. Now, that's absolutely ridiculous because just because we believe the Antichrist is going to come first does not mean we are violating passages about looking for that blessed hope. I'm getting ready to travel to Louisiana. When I start heading to Louisiana, you know where I'm heading? Louisiana. But you know what I'm going to start doing on that trip? I'm going to start watching for signs for Missouri and for Tennessee, I think, and for Mississippi and then Louisiana. And I know one thing, I will not see Louisiana before I see Mississippi. I will not see Louisiana before I see Missouri. These are things that I have to go through before I can get to Louisiana. But Louisiana is what I'm looking for. That is my destination. That is what I'm heading for. That is the purpose of this trip. And understand the focal point of my life is Jesus Christ. You better believe I am looking for Jesus Christ. You better believe I'm looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing. But I believe that the scriptures teach that there are some things that we will go through before that happens. But do I want to see the Antichrist? No. But I have to. Do I, do I want to go to Missouri? No. But I have to to get to Louisiana. I wish I could just jump the state, but I can't. That's just, that's just part of it. That that's what just happens to be in between me and Louisiana. And there are, I believe there are some things that are between me and the coming of Christ, but that does not mean I'm not looking for Jesus Christ. So don't accuse post-tribbers of not looking for Jesus Christ. You better believe we're looking for Jesus Christ. Another accusation is that our theology being post-trib will cause people to sin and live in sin. I just listened to a Baptist preacher recently saying, you know, if I believe in post-trib, you know, I just start, you know, living for the world and living for myself. And, you know, then when I see the Antichrist come on the scene and start, you know, doing this thing, you know, then I'd get right with God. Well, that's a pretty sorry attitude right there. So you're only doing right because you're afraid Jesus might come back and catch you not doing right. Do you not think he can see you right now? That that's really your only motivation. I, I you know, I thought we were supposed to serve him because we love him. I thought we were supposed to serve him because it's the right thing to do. Now, first, now there's there's so many reasons that's ridiculous teaching. Okay. First off, that wouldn't work anyway, because I do believe when he comes, he's gonna find people sleeping. Uh, I it is my belief that if you are not living right now, you're not gonna live right when things get difficult. If you have run with the footmen and they've wearied you, wearied you, what are you going to do when the horses come? So I personally believe expecting a coming time of trouble and tribulation causes Christians to strengthen themselves. Those who think that the grid's going to go down one of these days, you know, they're, you know, what do they do? They prep themselves. They try to learn how to live off the land and how they try to learn survival skills. So they'll be ready when it goes down. Well, people who believe we're going to go through a coming tribulation 
those and people like myself, I'm always like, man, I need to make sure I stay in shape spiritually speaking, because if I'm not going to be a witness now with no persecution, what makes me think I'm going to be a witness when there is persecution? If I let little things now stop me from serving God, what am I going to do when my life is being threatened? So you know what? This, it motivates me to strengthen my Christian walk and it motivates me to get closer to God. I'm not going to wait until, you know, things are horrible before I get close. I'm going to get close to them now. Why? Because when these things all happen, it's going to happen quickly and I want to be ready. So I person, so your opinion is that you, it would cause you to live lasciviously, which I, 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 I'm worried about that. You concern me greatly. I, what about that law of God written in your heart? What about the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit going to let you live that way and it not bother you? I don't know. That just, that doesn't set well with me. But in my opinion, if we're just going to throw opinions out there, I think the post-trib theology motivates people to get their act together. Because if we can't do while well, things are good, we're not going to do it while things are bad. So that doesn't work. Another thing we get accused is stealing of stealing people's blessed hope or taking away their blessed hope. Well, I don't want to take the time to go through Titus chapter two, because I want to try to do this quickly, but I encourage you to read all the book of Titus, but even just chapter two starts out telling the aged men how to live, the aged women, the young men, the young women, how to live. It's all about behavior. And you want to know a theme that you see throughout the epistles and in the book of Acts, those people wanted to be found at Christ's return living godly and righteous lives. They, even though they were saved, even though they had imputed righteousness, they were not satisfied with that. They also wanted to be righteous themselves. The apostle Paul said that I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. He said, uh, not that I have already attained, but he said, I, I, he had a goal to apprehend that for which he was apprehended in Christ. What does that mean? Well, we have all received imputed righteousness. We have the righteousness of Christ, spiritually speaking, legally speaking. But Paul actually wanted to practice it and live up to it. And those early Christians, you can see it in, the, in Paul's epistles. They had a desire to live for the Lord. And when Christ returned, they wanted to be found living for him, doing right with their act together. That was their mentality. And, but what is it that prevents us from that? It's this flesh. This flesh is what prevents us from that. But one of these days when Christ returns, we are going to see him and we're going to be like him. And then we will have that new and glorified body where we won't sin anymore. A lot of Christians today, they're comfortable with their sin. Early church was not comfortable with their sin and their blessed hope was that one day they were going to put off this tabernacle and they were going to put on that new one that was, that was in righteousness. That wasn't a vile body. Their blessed hope was the new and glorified body beloved. Now are we the sons of God, but it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope, in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Those who are looking for the coming of Christ understand one of the things they're excited about their blessed hope is that when they see him, they will be just like him. And because we know we're going to be like him, we're purifying ourselves right now. We're trying our best. You know, our goal as a Christian 
God's going to change all our bodies. Okay. No matter what you do, God's going to be changing your body, but it ought to be our goal and our desire that as little change is needed as possible. That, that, that should be the goal of every Christian. We will be like Christ one of these days. It's going to happen if you're saved, but right now your goal should be as little change as possible when Jesus returns. And you better start that process. Now you don't wait until the tribulation starts. And so that was their blessed hope back then. Now it's an imminent rapture. Okay. But nowhere in Titus is it teaching imminency. Is it promising an imminent return? No, this is about the new glorified body. That's what the blessed hope is. And so another thing we get accused of is teaching that we're going to get raptured right back up and then just come right back down. We're going to meet Jesus in the air and come right. We're not even going to go to heaven. That was said in those videos that it basically does away with the rapture because we're being raptured to Armageddon. I don't know anyone who teaches that. Okay. Again, in the post-tribulation world, the tribulation is not seven years. We, if, if I ask you, if, okay, I'm talking to pre-tribbers now. If I ask you, where do you get seven year tribulation? You're going to go to Daniel chapter nine. Daniel chapter nine doesn't even use the word tribulation where we get the word tribulation. We see that word used in Matthew 24. So that's fine. If you want to associate the word tribulation with end times events, that's fine because it's used in the scriptures in relation to end times of events. But how is it used now in every one of your Clarence Larkin based charts, you have tribulation and then you got like a, like an arch and then it goes to abomination of desolation. And then you've got another one for another three and a half years. Great tribulation, right? Going to Armageddon. But what does Matthew 24 say? After the tribulation of those days, the sun should be darkened and the moon should not give her light. That's the sixth seal. That is the sixth seal. There is no timeline given in Matthew 24. None whatsoever. So you're going to, from those words, after the tribulation of those days, or after the abomination of desolation, there should be great tribulation. Where do you get the three and a half years from that? You're assuming that. Okay, you are, that is an assumption, but it is not explicitly stated in scriptures. And so understand we still have time in the post-trib rapture teaching to go up to heaven, be judged and all the things that pre-tribbers think, which is going to be a shorter amount of time, but I think we're going to be able to squeeze it in there. I think we'll be able to get all those things. Everything you think is going to be, is going to take place in heaven before we come back with Jesus. We still have time for it in the post-trib world. So uh, sorry about that, but, uh, that's, that's a bad argument. Okay. Another thing people will say about our side is you're divisive. Okay. Now that's possible. Okay. I try not to be divisive, but understand being divisive does not mean our doctrine's wrong. Being divisive means just being divisive. Okay. And, and sometimes post-tribbers probably are divisive. Sometimes pre-tribbers are divisive. I've never heard of a post-trib church kicking out a pre-tribber, but I've heard of a lot of pre-trib churches kicking out of post-tribbers. So who's being divisive? Okay. Now, again, I'm, I'm, we all take shots at each other, I'm sure, but that's just being divisive. Okay. That's not related to the doctrine. Okay. It sounds like you want to demonize the crowd as a way to, to distract from the subject matter. Because you can be right and still be divisive, just like you can be wrong and still be divisive. So um, 
you know, I'm not going to necessarily say that accusation is not true. I'm just going to say it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant because it doesn't prove right or wrong. I can throw the same thing at you guys. So uh, another accusation that I get thrown, especially at myself, this one gets thrown my way, is I'll get called a preterist. I got called a preterist last week. Okay. Okay. Now, if you want to call me a preterist, first off, can you even tell me what preterism is? All right. Can you give me an accurate re definition, representation of what preterism is? Okay. Now, can you also tell me why preterism is bad? What makes preterism bad? I believe there are some very bad heresies in preterism. I believe it is heresy to deny a literal future resurrection from the dead. I, I believe that's heresy. I believe it is heresy to deny a literal future return of Jesus Christ. I think that's heresy. Okay. But at the same time, there are many things that preterists say about other things that might be true. Okay. That I might even agree with. There are some things they say about 70 AD that I might agree with. But these days you say 70 AD preterist. Okay. Just, you can't just say a word and then like that just takes care of everything. That's like when somebody says Trinity and you say Catholic. Somebody says virgin birth, deity of Christ, Catholic. Uh, wait, no. Why is Catholicism bad? They're not bad because of their teaching on the Trinity. They're not bad because they're teaching on the virgin birth. Okay. They're bad because of their work salvation. They're bad because of just their system, their Pope, their, you know, their priest, things like that. That that's why they're bad. So, uh, you doing that, you're just trying to put an ugly label on somebody to shame everyone else away from their position. So, um, just, okay. Don't just call me a preterist. You tell me, you call out what I believe that you feel aligns with preterism. And then let's talk about that because what a lot of preachers will do, they'll get, you know, them preterists out there. They don't believe in a literal return of Christ. They don't believe in a literal resurrection of the dead. My Bible says if Christ is, uh, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? Well, my Bible says that too. Here's the problem. I don't, I don't agree with the preterists on that. I think they're dead wrong on that. And so you'll say all these things about the preterists. And you know what else of them preterists? They like to talk about 70 AD. Okay. They like to talk about 70 AD. I heard Pastor Tommy talking about 70 AD the other day. He's a preterist. Well, hey, it's not wrong to talk about 70 AD. There's some, some significance of things that happened during that time. He's going to stuff outside the Bible to talk about, you know, when it comes to when it comes to his doctrine. No, I'm not. Okay. Just because I reference a historical event, even pre-tribbers will acknowledge the fact that Matthew 24 talks about the destruction of the temple and everybody agrees that that happened in 70 AD. Oh, now you're talking about 70 AD. Now you're a preterist. Hey, it's not wrong to talk about 70 AD. That's not wrong. So let's now let's stop with the nonsense. Let's go to what I am saying that aligns with some things preterists say. And let's talk about the merits of that. And so again, if I'm talking about the Trinity, I don't want to waste my time talking about Catholics and popes and priests. We're talking about the Trinity. But if you just want to deny that, you know, you want to avoid the subject of the Trinity, 
what you'll do is you'll distract by talking about Catholics. And that's just dishonest. So uh, don't do that. Okay, don't do that. You're making yourself look bad. You're making yourself look dishonest. And so another thing too uh, that we get accused of, and listen, this part, they know what they're doing when they say this, and this is fine, I guess. If you know, I'm all for just taking pokes at the other side, maybe doing a little bit of insulting or whatever. Uh, you know, I, I'm all for that. I can, I can take it. But when they call us mid-tribbers, okay? Now, are you calling us a mid-tribber to be insulting, which is fine, or are you calling us a mid-tribber because you don't understand what we believe? Oh, no, I, I know what you're saying. Okay, okay. So are you then trying to, uh, are you just refusing to accept our definition of the tribulation? Okay, and that's what they're doing. Say, because in your world, in your pre-trib catechism, seven-year tribulation, seven-year tribulation, seven-year tribulation, Daniel's 70th week, even though Daniel's 70th week, Daniel never uses the word tribulation. So again, all right, if you want to go there, let's, let's do it. Let's have a conversation about the tribulation and how long it is. Are we, are we using the word tribulation? Are we having a discussion about how the Bible uses the word tribulation? or about how Clarence Larkin and about how theologians, because again, in the theological world, they have made the word tribulation mean all of Daniel's 70th week. They have mean it, made it mean all of the coming of events in Revelation from chapter four on. That's what people have done in the theological world. Okay? And again, I am not completely opposed to using theological terms like rapture the problem is if we make up a word we can always attach our own definition to it the problem is when we use biblical words and then we use them in a way the bible doesn't that causes even more confusion and i dare you let's have a conversation about how the word tribulation is used in the bible and you you're going to be more likely to come around to a post-trib position because you people are not using that word in the same way. So, uh, but just understand if you keep calling us mid-tribbers, what it's going to tell your congregation who knows what we believe and maybe even agrees with us, it's going to either tell them you're ignorant of what we believe because what part of after the tribulation do you not understand? Or that you are just being stubborn and you are trying to misrepresent and slander. That's not going to help you either. You're going to make yourself look dishonest. So I, I'm saying this for your benefit, for your benefit, you should stop saying mid-tribber when talking about people like us. I believe that hurts you. I do not believe that hurts us. Okay. If I just want to make you look bad, then it, it benefits me for you to say mid-tribber because then I get to prove you're a liar when I so after the tribulation, after the tribulation, after the tribulation. I'm going to keep showing you that verse after the tribulation of those days, after the tribulation of those days. I'm going to rub your nose in it. And then I'm going to make you look ignorant. Okay? So again, this video is not to make pre-tribbers look bad. I'm, I'm trying to help you pre-tribbers out. So for your sake, stop saying mid-tribber. Let me tell you something about how I roll here. I'm so confident in my position. I want to give you every advantage in the world in our fight. And I use that term 
I'm being somewhat sarcastic. I, I don't, I don't want to fight with you guys. Okay. I like, I like pre-tribbers, but at, but at the end of the day, if we're, if we're going to have a fight to me, this is, I've got so much advantage, you know, it, you know, I would look bad if I got in a boxing ring with a six-year-old. Yeah, I'm going to win that fight, but I don't have anything to be proud of. And so the thing is, you know, if I'm going to get in a fight with a pre-tribber, all right, if we're going to fight, okay, I'm, it's not going to help me to just beat the tarnation out of you like I feel like I can. So I'm going to give you every advantage in the world. And so this is what I'm doing in this video. I'm giving you advantage. Let me help you out. Let me help you out. Because again, when we, when we have our, when we have our showdowns, I don't want it to look too easy because then I'll just look like a bully and I don't want to be a bully. So, uh, again, this is, this is for you, pre-trevers. I'm, I'm literally trying to help you out. So that's most of the false accusations that we get. Um, and, and you know what, those of you watching this too, from the post-trib side, if you want in the comments to leave. Uh, maybe something I forgot about. Just common accusations against post-tribbers. Put them in there, okay? And, you know, we probably make some towards the pre-tribbers sometimes too. In fact, uh, when it comes to Israel, often our side accuses them of worshiping the Jews. Now, that's an extreme exaggeration. I know I've said that before. I don't believe any Zionist is literally worshiping the Jews. We 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 need to watch that, Okay. We, we need to watch that because when we say things like that, we're kind of acting like them and we need to be better than that. Again, we are clearly the dominant individual when it comes to these things. Um, but again, we're, it looks bad. We look like a bully if we start doing these things and I don't want to look like a bully. I want to give them every advantage in the world before I clean their clock. Uh, cause it just, it, it just proves even more that we're right. So some of the things that they accuse us of when it comes to Israel and, and, um, this first one, I'm passionate about this, but they will accuse us of hating the Jews and being anti-Semitic. Okay. Now I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but let me just say, when you say anti-Semitic, I, I, and I'm being as nice as I possibly can here. I'm just, I'm just being straight up honest with you. If you accuse me of being anti-Semitic, there's a few possibilities. One, you know absolutely nothing about me. That's one possibility. And maybe you're going off a rumor that you heard. Okay. You shouldn't repeat rumors, uh, but you're wrong. Um, another possibility is that you are just a liar, a liar with no conscience whatsoever to just be able to hurl out an accusation like that. And if you are, if you're just a sick liar and you have the ability to just lie through your teeth like that without even blushing uh, I question your whether or not you even have a conscience and I really don't know what to do about you okay I don't know how to make you look good I don't know how to help you keep people in your church who are honest and are looking for the truth and uh, want to do the right thing I, I don't know I, I really don't know how I can help you out um, you should not say that kind of thing about people just because I don't believe there is anything special about the Jews, just because I think they are the same as Gentiles, just because I don't believe that there is a special salvation coming for them in the future or anything like that, just because I believe the promises 
that many of you think are still to come have already been fulfilled does not mean I'm anti-Semitic. And so if your go-to when we're ever having a conversation like this is to say anti-Semitic, just understand while I think I am very respectful to my opposition, I have had, I've even had Orthodox Jews on this program. I have had Calvinists on this program. I have had pre-trivers on this program. I have had people from many different backgrounds and I have a reputation of being respectful and fair with these people. But those who will accuse someone like myself of being anti-Semitic, you have proven a level of ignorance or a level of an ability to lie that no person with a soul or a conscience can be able to, that I have no way to be respectful to you. I really can't. I, I think, and so uh, just understand, um, I don't know how I can get someone in your church who believes the way I do. I don't know how I can get them to stay in your church and to respect you when you accuse them of being anti-Semitic because because of these beliefs um i really just you're on your own at that point and honestly you you kind of deserve whatever you get lying is a very serious thing uh you know bearing false witness these are very serious things and you should be held accountable for them and so um yeah if you accuse if you accuse me of being anti-semitic and you know me if you don't know me again Maybe you've heard rumors and you, you just, you're just trusting somebody you shouldn't be trusting. But if you know me, if you've listened to my teaching for any length of time and you can walk away and call me anti-Semitic, I see you as just a soulless liar. And I have absolutely, there's no way I can in good conscience pretend I have any kind of respect for you. So um, I would be careful throwing that word out. Don't act like a libtard. Don't act like the, you know, the Democrats, that if you say anything against, uh, you know, a black politician, you're, you're a racist, or you say anything against a female politician, that you're a sexist. It, don't, don't act like that. I, yeah, that works in CNN land and MSNBC land, but it's, it shouldn't work in the church. It shouldn't work amongst Christians. So uh, just understand, uh, if you say I'm anti-Semitic, I say you're a liar. Okay. So another thing too, um, this is people bring this up when you have the subject, they'll accuse me of denying the Holocaust. Now I've been accused of that so many times and it's never happened. I put, I've got hours and hours of content on this channel, on my Liberty Baptist church channel. I challenge you. I do not apologize for my positions. I am vocal about my positions. I am open. You can ask me anything. I will tell you what I believe, what I think I have never called the Holocaust into question. So well, why does it come up all the time? It must be something you're saying. No, that's not it at all. What that, what people are doing when they bring up the Holocaust issue that happened in the 1940s has nothing to do with the Bible. I want to talk about the Bible. I don't want to talk about what happened in the 1940s. It's not relevant to what Paul was talking about in Galatians. I, I want to talk about Galatians three and four. You want to talk about the Holocaust. I think you're trying to distract from the subject. I think Galatians three and four is kryptonite for you. If you're a dispensationalist and so you're going to distract with the Holocaust and here's why they do that because they want to connect me or someone else to an unpopular individual who I think frankly distracted from the biblical position 
by talking about, you know, his historical beliefs. Okay? Now, I think it's ridiculous that in some parts of the world, you can't even question or, you know, it's illegal to deny. That's stupid. Who, who cares if somebody affirms or denies something historical? We got to pass laws about that. That makes me suspicious. Okay? You people are the ones that are going to make, you know, make, making me have questions. I'm not looked into it. Doesn't matter. Not relevant. Absolutely not relevant. So stop trying to distract. I think you're trying to distract from the biblical conversation I want to have. So don't even, don't even bring that up. And if you can't talk about if, if you, and then a lot of preachers too, they use the Holocaust as proof that the Jews are God's chosen people. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. But uh, don't bring that up with me. Okay. You're going to lose me. I'm going to see you as just trying to associate me with you trying to associate me with somebody that you don't like to distract from the conversation. I think it's a cowardly move. And I think you're lame when you do that kind of thing. So don't even bring that up around me. Another thing we get accused of is that we believe God broke his promises to Israel. Okay. Now, can we at least, can we try to accurately represent? Of course, I do not believe God broke his promise to Israel. I have heard many preachers. I could play clips. This is a common argument. I hear it all the time. Those of you that think God broke his promise to Israel. First off, who are those people? Okay. But it, anyway, you know what? You better hope he didn't. Because if God broke his covenant with Israel, what makes you think he can't break his covenant with you? I mean, are you sure you're going to go to heaven? If God's in the business of breaking his promises, why would he break his promise to the Jews and not break his promise to you? I don't believe God ever broke any promise to anyone. Okay. D do you really think I think God broke his promise to Israel? Here's where we disagree. We disagree on how God has either kept his promise to Israel or will keep his promise to Israel. Let's talk about the individual promises. Now, while you will probably talk about how God will keep his promise to Israel, I will probably tell you how God did keep his promise to Israel. Those are legitimate conversations. I think those are great conversations. Those are areas where we can disagree. We all agree God's always going to keep his promises. It's just how he keeps those promises. I, we all agree all prophecies are going to be fulfilled as they were spoken. The question is, how will they be fulfilled? And Sometimes we disagree on that, but can we at least be honest for crying out loud? This shouldn't be hard, but it is very hard in the pre-trib world. And that's why those videos I showed last week were so frustrating to me because these things that he was saying that was completely untrue about what post-trib people teach. I hear these things repeated in churches all over the place. I've had many people accuse me of these things and it's just not true. Can you just say it? Just say this pre-tribbers out there, those replacement guys, they believe God's going to keep all of his promises. They just disagree with how we believe that God is going to fulfill his promises through the Jews. They believe God fulfilled his promises through Jesus. And let's talk about, let's talk about those things. So, um, that's, but I think if we actually discussed the actual issues, I think you guys are finding out that you will lose, that those are losing issues for you. But if you're right, you shouldn't be afraid. 
if you are right and if you want to change people's minds that might be in your church or people who listen to you, then you need to get to where the actual disagreement is. You need to pinpoint where our error is at. You can't nail us for areas where we're not even in error or even in areas where we are in agreement. A lot of the stuff in that video series I showed last week, a lot of time was spent on stuff where we would actually agree with them. But the problem is he was saying, they don't believe this. Well, yeah, we do. Here's where we disagree. Can we talk about that? But I don't think he was familiar with that. So if, if you're not familiar with what I teach or what post trippers teach or whatever, then just don't talk about it. Don't, don't talk about us. If you don't know about us, hey, that that's not good. Don't ask me, you know, you shouldn't come to me, you know, and ask me to do a movie review on a movie I've never watched. Pastor Tommy, what did you think about? I don't know. I can't, I can't even, I can't even think of a movie. What did you think about the movie Titanic? I not watched it. Now I can tell you things that people have told me about it, but am I really the guy you want to get a movie review about Titanic from scenes? I have not watched the movie, but you know, if I'm arrogant, like a lot of people, well, I've heard enough things. I heard about all the nudity in there and I heard about, uh, that's pretty much all I know about it. I heard there's some nudity in there. That's about all I know. I know about it, but at the same time, I can't really speak of it. I never watched that movie. And a lot of you preachers out there, you've never looked into what the post-trib crowd teaches, but you've heard other people talk about it. And so you think you are qualified to say something about it. But then if I just get up there, I was like, oh, I was watching that movie Titanic and that part where the people, you know, it sprung a leak in the submarine. And, uh, you know, and I started describing something from a completely different movie. You know, you're going to be like, wait a minute. I'm trying, you know, and then when they went and harpooned that whale on there and the guy, you know, uh, Captain Ahab got tied to it and the fish went swimming off. Like, wait, what are you even talking about? That's a completely different movie. That's not Titanic. And listening to pre-tribbers talk about post-tribbers, it is. It's like watching somebody giving a movie review about Titanic, but talking about Moby Dick or something. It's just like, dude, you're, you do not look like an idiot. So just get your facts straight. But God, God didn't break any promises to Israel. So another thing we get accused of is they'll say, you know, you, you people believe the church replaced Israel. You supersessionist, you replacement theology people. It's like, okay, first, can you define replacement theology for me? Because I'm not even, I don't even really accept that label. There's a lot of baggage associated with it. There's a lot of things I agree with. There's things I don't agree with, but even supersessionism. I was listening to a debate on Sandy for truth and the dispensationalist on there was massively misrepresenting the supersessionist that was on there. And he kept saying, you know, you people, you teach that Jesus supplanted or superseded the Jews. He kept saying supplanted. He kept throwing that word in there. Why? Cause we all know supplanting is a bad word. And so he's just literally saying that to kind of cast shade. And the guy, the supersessionist on there rightfully called him out. I was like, wait, wait a minute. What, you know, what do you think that means? We believe that the new covenant superseded the old covenant. We don't believe we replaced Israel. No, the, uh, under the new covenant, we got included in the Gentiles were included in 
with believing Jews. We were grafted into the root of the same olive tree that Israel is a part of. That's what we believe. We believe the new covenant superseded the old covenant. And that's good because guess what? Under the old covenant, we're all under the curse, including the Jews, because they've sinned, because they did not keep the law. But Jesus brought in a new and better covenant, and we are included in that. So again, let's get our facts straight. But we've demonized the term replacement theology. We've demonized the term supersessionism, typically because of misrepresentations about what it believes. Let's get into the nuts and bolts of what they actually teach, and let's test the merit of those things. That's what we do in honest conversations. And in the pre-trib world, when it comes to pre-tribbers versus post-tribbers, when it comes to Zionists versus non-Zionists, especially in the Baptist world, there is a lot of crazy mudslinging, mostly from you guys towards us. Okay? Mostly you guys, because most of them have not actually heard us out on these things. And you are doing yourself a disservice. If I was interested in breaking up your churches and breaking up your movement and just trying to build a following for myself and make myself look good, I'd let you keep doing it. Because then I can just make all of you look like liars. I can make all of you look ignorant because of the provably false things you're saying. I could start putting a bunch of clips together if I wanted. I've got them. I've seen them of, of people misrepresenting my position, sometimes even me by name, completely misrepresenting. I could play you the clips of what I have said and I've been saying for years and then what they're saying that I said. And you know what I would do? And make them look like a liar. And so you're not going to help anybody. Do you want your church members seeing that? I'm not threatening you. Okay. I don't want, I, I'm not planning on, on doing these things. I don't want to do that, but I did want to make this video for those out there trying to have an honest conversation. Okay? I don't want to make people uncomfortable featuring other fundamental Baptists on here, showing how they're wrong. I've got a book that I have considered for a long time doing a book review on, and I've not done it simply because of the fact I, I don't want people to get bent out of shape and sensitive and BAPs are very sensitive when it comes to these things. Um, it, it, but it was a book defending the pre-tribulation doctrine. Now I would love to, and I still might one of these days, I would like to show where the, I disagree in there. But one of the reasons I've not made a big deal about this book is because the individual who wrote it, one, I already have a lot of respect for him personally. Um, you know, as, as an individual, as a preacher, I, I do, I do believe he's a good man. I, I've had a ton of respect for him for years, but at the, at the same time too, in his book, he accurately represented my, my position. He doesn't name me in there, but the post-trib pre-wrath position, when it comes to what we believe about Israel, he accurately represented it. Now he gave his reasons for why he believes it's wrong. And I disagree. I, 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 I disagree with the conclusions that he came to his proofs that he gave for a pre-tribulation rapture. I disagree. I don't believe those things are proofs. I don't believe the things that he used to debunk what post-tribbers believe. I don't believe those things did debunk what we believe. And I think I can display from the scriptures, you know, where he, you know, made some errors and got things wrong. But at the end of the day, when I read that book, I disagree. I, I disagreed in many places, but you know what? I also greatly respected him.
him. Because while we disagree, he was honest. There was no lying. There was no slander. And so I think people like that do. And so I, they, they deserve a lot of credit. And so I've, I, I've not really figured out how I can approach that in a way that wouldn't be perceived as an attack. Last week was perceived as an attack by people who didn't watch. It was not an attack. If you watch a podcast, it was not an attack. Uh, but um, it, was, it, was very honest, it was a very honest critique. And I, I believe I handled myself with decorum and ethic. Uh, I was ethical. I reached out ahead of time. I invited them on the program. They're still able to come on the program. Uh, I, I have no apologies. Okay. I have no apologies for what I did last week. Um, I, I'm, and when I mentioned to getting rebuked, it's just because I got rebuked, but I, I, you know, I explained, uh, it's like, well, you need to go watch a podcast. You'll see it's not what he is saying that it is. And, you know, and he said, okay, you know, that's fair enough. I'll look into that. But at the same time, too, he offered a suggestion to avoid conflict. And I thought that's a good suggestion. I'm going to do that. And so that was the purpose of this video. And um, and so maybe in the future, if people start talking about post-tribbers or Tommy Merchant, what do you, go watch this video. This is what I actually think. This is how I respond to these ridiculous accusations. I'm not saying I'll never feature another video of another Baptist preacher again. Uh, I'm, but I'm just saying, if, uh, if I do want to get the word out about what I really believe, then that's kind of the purpose of this video. Uh, I, it does get a little wearying having people think negatively about you because of false things that other people are saying. And most people, most, not all, most people don't have the character to call you up and ask you about things. Some do. And the, uh, I have friends that are like that and I'm thankful for them. And so I wanted to do this video though, for that reason, and just address just common false accusations towards post-tribbers. And so hopefully this was helpful to you. And I, and I hope pre-tribbers, most of all, it will help you to go back home to your church and to actually show where maybe we're wrong and to act, actually represent us properly. And I hope this is going to help you while you're preaching pre-trib to make yourself not look like a liar. I don't want that. I don't want the people to leave your church. I'm not trying to get the people out of your church. I'm trying to help the people stay in your church. I'm trying to give them an excuse to stay in your church. In your church. So anyway, I do appreciate you watching this. So God bless you. We will see you all next time.